Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This is Acast Recommends. Every week, we pick one of our favorite shows. And this is one we think you're going to love. Hello, I'm Jeff Lloyd, and I recently had a baby with Ed Miliband. A baby podcast, that is. It's a spin-off of our show, Reasons to be Cheerful. It's called Cheerful Book Club, and it's conversations with some of the best writers working in the world today. You'll really enjoy our chats with people like US broadcasting legend Rachel Maddow, literary giant Ian McEwan, and the big short and moneyball author Michael Lewis. Feed your brain with ideas from the Cheerful Book Club. You'll find us on the excellent Acast app or wherever else you get your podcasts. Acast is home to the biggest podcasts from Ireland and around the world. Subscribe to this show and hundreds more now via Acast or wherever you get your podcasts. And hello everyone again for our second podcast of the week. For reasons best known to yourself, you seem to like the first one. So uh, myself, Neil Cameron, Andrew Fowler and Lee Ryder, who's gone all retro because he has a can of lilt zero in front of him, which I'm a big fan of. Uh, we are in, this is the old library, Lee, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Full of some of our predecessors' expense claims. There's quite a lot of them. <laughs> Do you remember when we used to get expenses? <laughs> Anyway, folks, we're here to talk about a few things today. Um, we'll end up, obviously, getting the guys' predictions for Villa Park tomorrow afternoon. But we're going to start, Lee, if I can start with you, with Czech Teoti. The rise of the offer's been made from Rus- secret Russian clubs. It's a great subplot. I must admit, I'm a massive fan of Teoti, and I even think £8 million would be derisory for him. I remember Rob Lee saying in our newspaper, £20 million, and he wasn't, he wasn't, from his point of view, exaggerating. Two questions, Lee. What do you think of Teoti as a player, and two, do you think that between now and the end of the transfer window, which is a week and a bit, he'll still be a Newcastle United player? Well, firstly, I, th- I think on his day, he, he's mm. a great competitor <laughs> and, and someone that Newcastle... You know, could do within the team. Um, you know, his first season was fantastic. You know, he came came over from Holland. He was brilliant, snapping at tackles. Uh, the fans loved him straight away. Um, unfortunately, after that, it's been a bit of an anticlimax. He's been, you know, he's had injury problems. He, Is that what you say on his day? On his day, yeah. it's a clear disclaimer. Um, <laughs> And you know, picks up unnecessary yellow cards, dives in. Um, you know, he's been sent off for Newcastle a couple of times, which has cost the team. Can can Newcastle live without him? Yeah, they probably can. Um, will they sell him for four million pound? No, they won't because it's not the right value. It's, no, it's not. It's, it's very cheeky, if you ask me. Um, Eight million—that's probably where the price from to be sold. What was the second question again? <laughs> and the second question is just: Do you think it will be sold? Well. If they can come up, you know, we hear that, you know, the Russian teams give it the big one about giving the best wages and sign-on fees. Yeah, if there's money there, then surely you can afford the eight million pound as well. Um, and I, and I do think if if they 
if they come up with that magic figure, then then he'll go. It's as simple as that because he's going to have the opportunity to double his money, and it's a it's a chance for him to you know to get his big move. You know, we always talk about one last big yeah. move for a player at 28. There's no way he's going to stay here for less than half what he's been offered over there. If if new if they submit the right bid, he will go. Simple as that. Well, there you go. I mean, Andy, I mean. A... I can see where Lee's coming from there. The, the the fear for Newcastle fans will be not so much Toy will be sold, but that wouldn't be a fear anyway. But it's, they won't be replaced, and that has been the problem. You sell players and replace them fine. That's not happened a couple of times. No, in years. I think I think that's um, a, a big a big problem, and especially a gripe among fans. You know, selling them fine. But they're not bringing in those players. They're getting in that check, and it just seems to be going in the back pocket, and, and that's it. And like I said, you know, you know, speaking to you guys before, I don't mind Teote. It annoys me how many bookings he picks up. He seems to be just a walking yellow card. The right offer <laughs> comes in, fine. But who are they going to bring in? I, I don't. I don't know. I think the problem at the moment they've got other areas that they kind of really need to be looking at in That's strengthening. True. That's true. And um, you know, like Lee says, if, if the right bid comes in, he goes. You know, no qualms about that. But then it's an extra player that they're going to have to bring in. They can't just rely on. You know, Jack Corback will, will step in. He, he played well in the first game. But he's not a defensive exactly. Matthew, does you know, he? Not, and not this is the thing: it's people does. playing out of position to fill gaps. And if you're going to compete at the very best level, you can't. You can't do that. Um, and it would be a worry if he does go. That they now then need a striker, a centre back, and another midfielder. Absolutely. From one midfielder to someone who used to play in midfield for Newcastle United. Unfortunately, we have to talk about this today. Um, yesterday, news came through that Paul Gascoigne was going to sign for a club in Bournemouth. We all had a bit of a laugh about it. In fact, I remember joking. I'll go down and see that. That'd be quite a good feature. Within a couple of hours, we see that Paul's had another stumble in the road. Lee, you and I have interviewed him many, many times over the years, and I'm always telling people that while he is a, a very troubled individual, Deep down, he's a very good guy who's made a lot of mistakes in his life. But there's, and we really wish him well, don't we? We don't yeah. want to see these pictures, don't we? No, no, definitely not. I mean, it, I, I was shocked. I mean, to see the pictures, mm. you know that. Unfortunately, whenever something like this happens, it's a big story for Gaza. He's all over the, the front pages. But you know, despite as you say, he's made mistakes in his life. He's admitted he's made mistakes in his life. It's just going to be a constant battle for him. Um, and you know, I. I wish him all the best in, in trying to get through because, you know, as you say, he's the type of guy, he's got a heart of gold, he's done yeah. a lot of work for charity. You know, one of the reasons why he's had cash problems is because he's a giver in life and he, he's handed out all his money, I think. Yeah, you're absolutely so, right. That's a big problem that he's, he's, he's always had. Me, me and you, unfortunately, are older, unfortunately, we're old <laughs> enough to see him uh, and he's prime. Uh, and on his day, he was just an absolute genius to watch. Not just the way that he could beat players and score goals and his, and his big game mentality, but just the way he could take a ball and just pass it 10 yards in front of mm-hmm. everyone else. Andy, you would be a bit, genuinely a bit young to see him in his palm. A little bit. But there again, you know, you, you, especially when you're up here in Newcastle, you can't help but feel the love for him. You know, you, I've, I've seen, you know, you see him running down the streets, chatting to people, he's never short of a word. And unfortunately for him, you know, the, the troubles catch up with him more often than not but you can't take away all the stuff that he's done in the past and you, you know that is the overriding factor when you when you talk to people about him it's just what a nice guy he was but what a cracking footballer he was and yeah you know 
we've all gone on YouTube and, and seen those highlights for, for some of us a little bit younger than yourselves. Uh, that's the all right, okay. The uh, the main bit for me, and he's um, <laughs> he's 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 one of those players that that is, he's once in a generation. Well, yeah. I mean, the big shame about it is is that he can't pass the skills on that he's got. I mean, yeah. you're not yeah. going to produce another Gaza. It's not a conveyor belt, but younger players could benefit from working with Paul Gascoigne. I know, you know, from interviewing Paul uh, a couple of years ago, young Shane Ferguson, you know, was injured and Gaza was doing his badges at the academy and, and he trained with Gaza for a week and he said he learned so much, you know, from, yeah. from Gaza in that time. And Shane Ferguson, he's a player who's lost his way in the last couple of seasons, um, but he's got the skills and somebody like, just to have that, I think in other sports in America, you have specialist coaches yeah. who can work, you know, take an hour out with a player. Yeah. It'd be ideal for that if somebody could, you know, keep him on the straight and narrow. And I know people have tried, but yeah. you know, as I say, it's going to be a big battle for Gaza now. Yeah, I really wish him all the best because I've got a real soft spot in my heart from him. That was the first half of the podcast. The second half, we're going to speak about match of the day being 50, believe it or not, and uh, Andrew. Neither Lee and I did see the first episode before you were going to say that. <laughs> and I'll get the predictions and we'll speak, of course, with the game at Villa Park. Right, uh, I think uh, on the interweb we're going to be asking Newcastle United fans for their favourite memories of Match of the Day, which is, which is 50 Lee. It's still, we always say that if we're coming back from an away game, it's psychologically great if we can get in just before match of the day yep. starts. Yep. Uh, both of us sitting with our Diet Cokes after a long day at the coalface. Um, what's your favourite, any favourite memory particularly? And I'm thinking Newcastle United more than anything. Um, a, lot of, a lot of different memories, but you know, the one that I'm going to talk about uh, is a stick-out memory. It's actually not a win or a goal. It's when Newcastle United played their first game in the Premier League the whole city was buzzing. Mm -hmm. I think Barry Davies, who I think is commentating this weekend. He is, yeah. Best commentator ever, yeah, isn't he? absolutely brilliant. You know, he just you know came on on the microphone. The first thing he said was, everywhere you look, there's a black and white shirt. And it went around the grounds to James Park. And the whole city was throbbing with enthusiasm for this first game against Tottenham Hotspur. Um, first game in the Premier League. And sadly, we got beat. Teddy Sheringham scored the goal. <laughs> That's right, so you um, you know, last minute of the game, Liam O'Brien hit the post with a free kick. Would have been a really, you know, great thing. As it turned out, Newcastle finished third that season. Indeed, indeed. So, you know, but for me, the excitement was we couldn't wait to get back for match of the day that night, even though we got beat, just to see, you know, the tune as the, the main game on match of the day. And it's, it, it's a... It'll always be there, yeah. You know? I mean, I'm stunned. I haven't been asked on Desert Island this yet, just for being an absolutely <laughs> brilliant guy. But one of my tunes would be the match of the day yeah. tune. I genuinely would have that. Uh, Andrew, I mean, you, what's, what's your favourite memories? And it can be anything you want from yeah. my programme. It does get slagged off, but I've done it myself. But it is really iconic, and I actually think over the last year or so, it's it's really upped its game. And it, it is. It's been great. I think you know, from from being I'm slightly younger than uh, than you guys, and you he know, has labour on this point. Of that, isn't he? <laughs> big big Des, big Des been on when you know when I was when I was younger doing it, and I, and I watched something recently, and it was an interview with Gary Lineker, and he talks about how he change the way it's broadcast you know he talks about this family atmosphere and you do it is the one thing you sit down at the end of your day and you stick on and it doesn't matter what time it is you want to put on and watch match of the day and I think now obviously with the Newcastle connections it's good to see Shearer on there uh, agree and disagree with a lot of his points as with all of them but like you say nowadays the technology and just the punditry they've got 
is far outweighs anything else, and they're getting real heavy hitters and talking about stuff. Yeah, they are. And they they know what they're talking about. Do you know what the biggest um, viewing figure for match today was last season? It was the day when Newcastle United beat Hull City. I can't remember. I can't remember why. I can't remember why. But anyway, <laughs> uh, we'll check and put on for that. Um, Lee, you were telling me during the week that Villa Park, of all the, the grounds of the Premier League area, era, era even, is the one that Newcastle's get most points from. I am of the opinion that they need to win tomorrow. I, I, I think we said that in the podcast on Monday as well, as we're just twenty four hours away from it. My opinion hasn't changed. What's your thoughts on the game? You, you think this is going to be tricky, so prediction time. Well, I think if you look at the, the bookies, they kind of seem to call this game. I think there's not much between a Villa win and a, a Newcastle win. I think it's going to be it's going to be a lot tougher than the, the previous couple of seasons. I, I, I think first half half an hour of this game is going to be really yeah. important. Um, can Newcastle win it? Yeah, they can. Will they? I've got a feeling it might be a draw, and I don't want to sit on the fence. But I think Villa are a different proposition this season. It's going to be a lot tougher. I think the keen factor is is going to be a big thing. You know, he's got he's got them fired up. Yeah, you know, and, and I think that's going to be really important. You know, as as we you know mentioned in today's paper, Villa bought a few players back in, as we touched on the other day. Yeah, like Alan Hutton and Zogbier, Darren Bent. I think they've got options, and I think yeah. they can um, they can give Newcastle a bit more of a game than the the last couple of years. It, it's going to be tough for Pardew. Um, first half now is going to be vital. I think it could be a, a battling draw. If you offer me a point now, you take I'd it. That's fair enough. Yeah. Andy, I was going to, I mean, I think he'll probably go with the same 11. Um, but will he be tempted if De Jong puts his hands up in training this afternoon and says, Gaffer, I'm feeling yeah, great? Yeah, I think that's the thing. You know, I spoke to Lee earlier in the week about, about De Jong, and, and, and that's the kind of key thing for me. If he stuck with the same 11, no qualms, really, you know. But Sim De Jong's that player that he's brought in. He's going to sculpt it around him. My worry is that if he's not entirely entirely fit, he comes back in and he does himself a mischief, and then you then you crocs. I think Newcastle have a a good enough squad to to get past Villa. I know they're a lot tougher, but I think this is where for me the season starts in earnest. And if they played anything like they did against City. With a little bit more in the final third, I think I think they'll get by. And prediction, I, prediction. I, I see two, two two nil. Not 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 two two nil. Not not a not a comfortable one. But I think when they ride that storm in the opening yeah. half an hour, I think they'll get their noses ahead, and I think everything will just relax a little bit, and that'll be it. And like I say, if they play anything like they played against City, um, then they'll do all right. I think they'll win. I do. I'm, I'm quite cool. I, I, I know Paul Lambert. Quite well. I haven't spoken to him for a while. He's a very good manager, and the keen thing is interesting. Villa were never as bad as last year. You know, there was all no. sorts of things going on at that club. You know, and you listen, hey, <laughs> I was in James's parts. I'm not pointing fing- uh, fingers, and they are clearly better this year. I just think I like the look of this Newcastle side. Remind me of this, incidentally, when they're yeah. two or three now down. I think I think he'll be very tempted to play De Jong. I really do. I think I wouldn't surprise me. I know I said I said that he'll go with the same eleven. I, I, I've just got a feeling, as I was, I'm saying that I've just got a feeling he might be tempted. Listen, this is the guy who's going to be the middle of everything. So I'm going to go. I'm going to go. I'm going to go two one. I think Villa will score because uh, I got some firepower there. And he won it. Any win away win in the Premier League isn't bad. And that would set them up for Gillingham, which we'll talk about on Monday, um, and then Crystal Palace. So it's got a busy eight days ahead of us. So you're going draw, Lee. Yep. And we're both going win. 
Well, that's that then. There's that's, no, no, there's no any point in the game yeah. being played. We all know what's going to happen. <laughs> Gentlemen, thank you very much for, for joining us. And thanks everyone out there who's been very kind for the last one. And uh, hope you enjoyed this one as well. And let's hope for three points on Saturday. This is Acast Recommends. Every week, we pick one of our favourite shows. And this is one we think you're going to love. Hello, I'm Jeff Lloyd, and I recently had a baby with Ed Miliband. A baby podcast, that is. It's a spin-off of our show, Reasons to be Cheerful. It's called Cheerful Book Club, and it's conversations with some of the best writers working in the world today. You'll really enjoy our chats with people like US broadcasting legend Rachel Maddow, literary giant Ian McEwan, and the big short and moneyball author Michael Lewis. Feed your brain with ideas from the Cheerful Book Club. You'll find us on the excellent Acast app or wherever else you get your podcasts. Acast is home to the biggest podcasts from Ireland and around the world. Subscribe to this show and hundreds more now via Acast or wherever you get your podcasts.